Welcome back to another episode, your I, Realtors for Life I podcast. Feel, I feel like every time we come back, we're talking about a vacation you were on. <laughs> we've well, your... got lots of traveling to yeah. do, but it's going to end pretty abruptly with the arrival of Bebe. You said 40, 44 days. 44 days, Steve has a baby due. <laughs> and that will this will probably be the last podcast he ever knows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or you'll have or, a baby strapped yes. to your chest. <laughs> no, I'll, be a, I'll just be a zombie. I'll have no sleep. Yeah. Um, I have, oh, I, sl- I slept great. I have a, I have a hilarious <laughs> story that's kind of related to, uh, having a baby, but well, just, ha- just related to getting gifts. Um, and, and the odds of this, I don't know what the odds of this are, but basically a couple days ago, our office, our main office is on Tecumseh road East, right? Royal LePage office. I get a message from the office saying I have a package at the office and I'm like, huh? don't ever get packages there but you know you never know we've been getting tons of stuff sent to us from like the registry and from people for gifts and stuff just sort of even unsolicited stuff like it's just so i was like this isn't that unordinary so i i go in there and i get the package and and i'm like i wonder what this is and she's like i don't know and so i take it and i go home and i i look on the box when i get home and it says stephen wilder stephen wilder which there is a stephen wilder in <laughs> in Windsor, yeah. right? And I'm like, uh-oh, maybe this is meant for that guy, right? But I look, and it's the address of our office on the box, but that's it. And it says Stephen Wilder. I'm like, maybe they got my name wrong, or maybe this really is for him. So I open the box, and it's a baby monitor, okay? And I'm like, obviously for me, mm-hmm. right? So I'm like, who in the hell would send like an expensive baby monitor, like with like the dream sock. Like it, it's like this, it's, it was like a five, $600 thing. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, did like someone from the office mm-hmm. send this stuff or like what, what's going on? So I, I called Joanna and I'm like, somebody sent us a baby monitor. I'm like, it's really nice. And we already had a baby monitor, but we were like trying to figure out like, what are we going to do with this? And then yesterday the office calls me again and says, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. That package actually wasn't meant for you. Um, like, like, can you bring it back? And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Like I haven't opened it. Like it's still just yeah. sitting in this box. I'm still trying to figure out who this is from and what. So it turns out that Stephen Wilder is a lawyer for Diamond and Diamond that shares the same address with our Tecumseh office. Come on. And he just happened to be ordering baby stuff. <laughs> And his name is Stephen Wilder. <laughs> like what? Like just think of, think of all those things in succession. First of all, his name has to be so close that it could be easily mistaken for mine. Second of all, his office has to have the same address as my office. And third of all, he has to be buying baby things. I, I just assumed it was for me. That is wild. Is it that Ur. crazy? <laughs> I couldn't. What, are I you get, kidding? Like me? it blew my mind. I was like, well, what so where the... where is his office? Diamond and Diamond is like Next in door. that in that like complex. It's one three one five eight Tecumseh so Road. There's a Stephen Wilde and a Stephen Wilder at the same address. At the same in address. Tecumseh both needing baby items. Apparently, and it happened to be dropped off at our office, and they're like, oh, we have a Stephen Wilde too, who's also ha-. right. <laughs> and then you open it, and it's a baby thing. Right. And, yeah. and I, if I would have opened it, and it would have been anything yeah, yeah. else, if it would have been like gardening supplies or like clothing, I would have been like, this clearly isn't for me. Yeah. yeah. And I would have brought it back. But instead, I opened it, and I was like, well. Yeah, it's baby stuff. So clearly, somebody's buying me a gift. Did you ever reach out to Stephen Wilder? No, no, I, 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 I should, I should. Yeah. Um, you just got back from Italy. Uh, you 
you uh, officiated a wedding, your first wedding. Yeah, uh, probably the only wedding I'll ever officiate. Most people don't get asked <clears throat> to do that. So even if I was asked to do it, I don't think I could do it. It was a lot of preparation. I um, feel like that's too much pressure. So I'll tell another quick story about this wedding because these are two of my best friends. And, um, you know, obviously getting asked is a huge honor, but it is a huge responsibility. And I'll just start off by saying it's it's beautiful to have somebody who knows you and is very close to you and has been there for your whole relationship actually officiating the wedding because it it adds a was everyone like a crying? Deeper, yeah, and like it was hard for me not to cry during mm-hmm. the during it, right? I think um, that's why I don't think I could do it. Yeah, that's what yeah. makes it tough. Um, and then and then on top of that, we were we were in Amalfi for a few days before we went to where the estate mm-hmm. was, where they got married, and um, there was this crappy guitar in the in the estate. So that wasn't your guitar. Well, no, that's the story. So there's this crappy guitar. It's like an old classical guitar. It's missing a string. It's missing two tuning pegs. Like I had to try to tune this guitar to like the one string that was in tune and uh basically these two were practicing their first dance for us and and they were we were playing the song it's a taylor swift song Mm -hmm. and they were just so awkward and they just they were so scared that they were going to mess up their first dance and um and then i played it for them on the guitar and it was like perfect and then they were like you should also play our first Mm -hmm. dance and i was like so that wasn't originally supposed to happen no no. Holy shit. So did then... You, did you play it on that shit guitar? No, because that guitar belonged to this crazy estate or this uh, yeah, villa yeah. in Amalfi, right? So then we were like, well, what do we do to get a guitar? So I just basically started like searching random like guitar places or music shops. Did you shops. rent one or buy one? No, we just bought one. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, so we bought one for 119 euros. Did you leave it there? And then played their first dance on it. It was amazing. And then I said, why don't we get everybody at the wedding to sign this and I'll write you a little message in the middle of the guitar and then we'll ship it back to your oh, place. So now they have that guitar. That was our, our signature. Was it a guitar? Um, like when people came in, everybody signed a guitar. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah so that's, yeah. so now they have this guitar and we got gold Sharpies and all over the back of it. Everyone so it was like it. an ad-libbed thing. It that was just ended up being perfect. Yeah. And, it, and they I did I saw it. the video of you playing for them and it looked like it was like a rehearsed perfect thing. Not at all, yeah. but we lit up, everyone lit sparklers while it was happening, yeah. which was amazing. And then as soon as I finished, they set off 10 minutes of fireworks. That's okay. the kind of wedding I was at. Oh my at. God. I heard people being like, all right, I'm never going to another wedding again. Yeah. Because like, this is like, you could never recreate that moment. No. That's like a once in a lifetime moment that will never happen again. You yeah. just go and buy this guitar. <laughs> you're, you're on the Amalfi Coast. You're at this estate. You're playing their wedding. Everyone's got sparklers. It's all their best friends. You just officiated the wedding. Fireworks start going off. How do you recreate that ever? That, that, was, that was for sure the most involved I've ever been with a wedding. Mm-hmm. And like my friend Matt, who was the MC of the wedding, he's, he's another really good friend of ours. Both him and I were like, God, like, wouldn't it be nice just once to be able to go to a wedding and not have like a responsibility because yeah. we never do with all right. of our friends. Like we're always something. I'm always playing a cocktail hour or yeah. officiating or playing like the first dance. The, or... the age. I, like Chelsea and I feel like one of us is always standing in a, or standing or yeah, or having some kind happening. of and, and my wife was the maid of honor in yeah. that wedding as well. So it was like, there was a lot going on. We went to a wedding recently, not, not Deb's, but Deb, our assistant just got married. Um, Congrats Deb. Last, last week. And uh, on the same day, on the same day. Yeah. It, it was, was the awesome. same day. It was a really good wedding. Yeah. 
but we went to a wedding not too long ago and we're like this is our first wedding probably ever where we're just not doing anything where you get to like yeah. go and be a guest yeah i don't even remember what it's like to be able to go and be a guest <laughs> at a wedding <laughs> That's what happens when you play music and you're yeah. well-spoken. Yeah. You're going to be the MC at like the next... The I, I, I haven't done that yet at a wedding. I'm surprised I, you haven't been an I'll, MC. I'll bet, you, yeah. I'll bet you we have one couple left in this friend's group that's yeah. that's not married yet. I and they're not watching I, and, this. And I will bet you, I will bet you <laughs> yeah. that they will ask me to be the MC. It's just inevitable. And play on the guitar. And play, sparklers. yeah. That, yes, they will. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, something I want to try uh, moving forward on all our podcasts um, is... I'd like to I'd like to bring in um, some Q and A. So uh, all our all of our podcasts moving forward, we're going to do a section of Q and A where we're pulling up just questions that people have in the industry, um, not just specific to our region, but just to the industry as a whole. Um, we're going to try our best to make sure we answer everybody's questions moving forward. If you have any questions, please reach out to us, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, text, email, doesn't matter, through our website. Um, and we will answer those questions at our next podcast. Um, if no questions are asked, we'll just go to our Reddit forums and things like that. Yeah. And it's and, super easy. Like if we post these clips on Facebook, um, yeah. you know, do us a favor and write a comment on, on it or, or share it, um, like it, any of those things really help spread it around and, and, uh, hopefully we can get more content yeah. for you. And there's always questions like the last market we just came out of was super crazy and competitive. Now we're in a market that interest rates are rising. Things are slowing down. So everyone's always got questions. Um, it's very confusing. Everything's changing week by week. So this is why we're here. This is why we do this podcast. We, we're here to try and help educate, entertain, and make sure people have a good, good understanding of what's going on in the market. So please ask questions if you have any questions. So uh, we're going to start with some very basic questions this week. Um, some uh, many of you that listen to the podcast may have an idea of uh, of how we do and conduct our business but for many of you that don't know how we conduct our business um, we'll uh, we'll give you a little inside uh, look here so first question here very common how do you arrive at the suggested list price um, I, this is a lot of agents have different styles for sure um, when you start taking the real estate courses and training they give you their their take on how it's done then you get into the real business and you find out that's not always the case mm -hmm. um, when we're in a transitioning market it also can be a lot trickier yep. uh, depending on the property um, if the property is very unique and there's not a lot of houses like it that also um, is a big factor so um, right now it's is a very tricky time to uh, nail down an exact price point because you can only use sales more recently because anything too far back um, there's more calculations that have to be done based on the the drop in the real estate market so if you're looking at a house right now and there's not a ton of comparables and the ones that you do have are very limited it can it can be a little uh, a little bit daunting to find that exact price so we're finding right now we're first, seeing a lot more ranges i think the first thing you need to do is figure out what kind of market you're in right because you know a lot of people don't that's not the first place a, a seller is going to go is like oh what kind of market am i in they just think it's even keel along the way no matter what time right. of year or what time, right so like you said we're in a transitioning market right now we just came out of a really 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 hot seller's market mm -hmm. um so we're in a different market now than we were six months ago, a year ago, three years ago, five years ago, where what you were predominantly seeing was people listing really, really low. Yeah. And there was a reason for that. Being in a seller's market, 
um, and knowing there's tons of buyers out there that are chomping at the bit to get your house, um, it made sense for people to, to list lower because they wanted more action on their home. And that's what happens when you list lower, right? Now we're in a transitioning market. The waters are muddied a little bit more. Um, I would say personally right now that that I'm, I'm seeing different strategies being used by almost every house. Yeah, so uh, the real estate industry um, across across all cities uh, has seen a huge increase in real estate agents over the last five years. Um, it's become a very hot career path for a lot of people, whether it's through uh, the influence of TV shows, Instagram, Facebook, people um, kind of glorifying the industry a little bit on, on the career front. But at the same time, obviously, we're, we were in a hot hot sellers market, which was just making it very appealing to join the market. So a lot of these agents who have just joined in the last five years, um, they only know the low price strategy. And anybody who has purchased or dealt in real estate five years or longer, they remember listing things more accurate to what they're worth or even a little higher to leave room to negotiate downward. So we're seeing kind of a mix of old school and new school right now, like you said, yeah. and it can be very confusing because you're looking at a list price. You're like, okay, are they using this new school tactic where you're underpricing it, which isn't working as well anymore because you're not getting enough offers to drive that price up. Right. And, or are they accurately listing it around what they want or are they starting a little higher to leave room to negotiate down? So it is very confusing for the average consumer who's looking at this from an outside in. Um, so this is where we come in to kind of help navigate where, where this house may land and what kind of strategy they may be using. So every house is different when we're listing it and trying to arrive at what our listing price is, but we're finding now we are tending to lean more on the side of accurately listing it for what it's worth or even a little higher than what it's uh, worth to leave room to negotiate downward. Right. And I guess the next question that people would have when they listen to this is, well, how do you know what it's worth? Right? That's that's so like we're, we keep saying like, oh, higher than what it's worth, lower than what it's worth. But right. there's a, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into yeah. figuring out what it actually is worth or what we consider market value mm -hmm. for the home. Um, and that's a different ballgame altogether. So there's two different types of value. So there's objective value based on factual evidence of recent sales in the area. Um, you know, in, in the previous market we just came out of where it was very competitive, everybody always tend to want it to lean towards the highest selling house. Like it's natural for you as a seller to lean towards what your neighbor sold for down the street. But that's not, that's just one sale. That could be one person who had some subjective value in that property and paid a lot more than what they probably should have. So it's our job to come in and look at the whole picture. And the whole picture, our job is to not come in and make up these false numbers to try and get you all excited about what your house is worth, but to actually give you an objective value of what the area states it should be selling for. Um, but one thing we can't predict is that subjective value. So just because we say, this is what the range is, this is the average of what these houses are selling for, this should be where you land, doesn't mean that we're not gonna try to get our clients more, and doesn't mean we can't find someone that has more subjective value. So for example, if you're a house that's um, on a corner lot, um, nice big pie-shaped yard, and uh, to, it's got, let's say, an in-ground pool. To a lot of people, corner lot means nothing to them. The in-ground pool means nothing to them. They just are basing their value on what those houses are selling for as that style of house in that area. 
but to somebody that really wants an in-ground pool, has a big family, wants the big yard, loves the pie-shaped lot, loves the corner lot, um, it may be worth subjectively a lot more to right. them. So when it comes to value, every house has different value to a different person based on their perspective, how they look at it. So subjective value comes into play a lot, um, but we base our pricing and what we believe it to be worth based on factual objective av- evidence of what the market tells us to be. Yeah, and we're to trying to price something sort of based around your goals as well. Like if you need to sell your house within a certain time frame, or, you know, if if we have a certain number that we're, you know, hoping to shoot for because you've got, uh, you know, you've got a a purchase and sale contract on a house that has a condition in it of you selling your home, every scenario is going to be a little bit different. We're going to price things based around what your goals are. If you're selling your home first and you've got a lot of time to sell, you know, we can maybe price it a little bit higher, try to shoot for something a little bit more because we know that yeah. you are okay with it being on market for a longer period of time. Right. If you are and moving... Be- and just because you list it higher and it's on market longer doesn't always... No. Mean, just to throw it out there, it doesn't mean you're going to get more. Absolutely not. But it just means you have time to try and fish to f- see if you can find that person. To find the person who has yeah. a, that subjective value in their head that right. wants your house more than somebody else does. Right. If you're going to be moving for a job in three weeks and you have to have your house sold mm-hmm. we've got three weeks to try to find a buyer for that that might that might mean you know you have to you... accurately price it more or or more aggressive so right um every every scenario is different obviously yes. we always want to go the route that is going to make our client the most money we never want to leave money on the table yep. um but at the same time there's a lot of factors that come into play when it comes to listing a home and what price to list it at and what the house is worth and there's a little example i want to throw out there because in in the market that most people would be familiar with where things are listed more accurately or a little higher um, let's say you had a house worth four hundred thousand dollars typically a four hundred thousand dollar house in a, in a buyer's market at least buyers are in more control they're they they feel the power to be able to go in and negotiate down because not everyone's fighting for a home so you have to understand that it's natural for a buyer to want to try and get the price down, even mm-hmm. if it's accurately priced. Mm-hmm. So if you list a house for 400, you have to assume that the buyer still, even if it's worth 400, may try and get you down to 370, 380, whatever it might be. So that's why you see a lot of people list a little higher than what it's worth to leave that room to negotiate. So in the previous markets that many would be used to, if you had a house worth 400 and it was listed for 430, and somebody negotiated the price down 20 grand to 410, well, that buyer may feel as if they got money off off the price, that 20 grand, but they may have still overpaid by 10,000. So this market that we're in right now is still just as dangerous as the other market if you don't have an agent that's that's properly doing their homework and navigating through because that buyer might've got 20,000 off and said, hey, you know, I, I did really well, I got 20 grand off the price, but little did they know they overpaid by 10,000 and nobody's going on social media bragging. I sold my house 20,000 under asking price. That's right. That's, that's just not something that sounds appealing, right? So, um, that was a dangerous market, but it was silent and deadly where the previous market, if you had a house, the one that we just came out of, that was more competitive. If you had a house that was worth 400, you may see the list price as low as 249 or 299, even though it was worth 400, people were underpricing it to try and get those multiple offers to drive the price back up. Right. So if the house sold for 410 then, 
it's still overpaying by 10,000, but now you're hearing somebody say, I just sold my house 110,000 over asking price. And everybody's like 110 over asking price. That's crazy. Um, but it's still the same result. Um, it's just the optics of it and the way it's perceived. So these list prices are all just made up numbers to try and get an end goal. Um, what the house is worth um, is what the house is worth. Market value is market value. That's what. That's a really, really um, always going to be a tough thing, I think, for a lot of people to wrap their minds around. It's one of the biggest conversations that we have with new buyers coming into the market and things because, you know, coming out of that seller's market where everything was selling for $100,000, dollars $250,000 over the asking price. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a constant revolving door of conversations that we have telling people, look, you know, that doesn't mean somebody's overpaying by $250,000. doesn't mean they're not overpaying, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean they're overpaying because, I mean, like I always say in the analogy I always use, somebody can list their home for a dollar mm-hmm. if they want. And they might get a thousand offers on their home. And if it sells for $500,000, does that mean somebody overpaid by $499,999? Right. No, because that wasn't the market value of the home. And and that's kind of the point we're always trying to get across is yeah. that list price that you see and that list price that we, that we arrive at when we're marketing your home is not necessarily going to be the market value of the home. It's going to be a, a strategy to try to get you the best price with the goals that you have in mind. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and, and that's what we really want to try to get across to people. And using that same example that I had is if you were listed at two ninety nine, and let's say you sold for three ninety, that seller might feel, Oh, I got 90,000 over asking, but little did they know it was 10,000 less than what it's worth. Then, then what and the that, and that, and that strategy may have backfired on them, Yeah, but they felt as if it did well for them because right. they got 90 over. But if they had used the high price strategy yeah. at say 430 and somebody yeah. paid 410, well, the high price strategy, you got 20,000 less than what you were asking, but you got 410. The other price strategy, you got 90,000 more than what you're asking, but you only got 390. Um, so it's just the way optically it's going to look for the buyer or the seller. But in the end, that's where the professionals need to come in yeah. and they need to come in strong to make sure that they're not leaving money on the table, right. um, that the price of the house is being accurately priced based on the conditions of the market. So right now, a lot of people that are using these underpriced strategies still may actually be hurting themselves thinking yeah. it's a good price because it feels naturally good to get over asking. Um, but the better strategy to use right now may be the high price strategy or more accurately priced strategy right. because we're in a slower market that's not as competitive. So you're not likely to get as many offers to drive that. Price well, up. also in a transitioning market like this, we don't have a solid supply of of months of comparable sales to draw from right. to tell you to more accurately narrow down what the market value is, mm-hmm. right? Because we're in such a shifting market with these interest rates going up almost monthly, yeah. you know, people's affordability is coming down because of that and yeah. prices are changing as a result of that. So for us, you know, that's the way I look at it. I think using a, a, a slightly higher price strategy or, or closer to what we think the market value um, is of your home is, is more worth it to use because then we can sort of test the market a little bit more. If we price it, what we think is a hundred to $150,000 less than what the market value is, we don't even really know what we're shooting for at that point. Right. Right. And it just confuses everybody. So it's, it's definitely a tougher market to be in as far as accurately nailing down that price. Every situation is different. Every house is different. Um, But in the end, um, 
having somebody who's navigated enough of these scenarios to know which style of house, which location, which unique home, how to price it, how the market's doing, somebody who's got their pulse on the market on a regular basis. Yeah. These are the people you need in your corner. Um, so if you have any other questions about that, obviously feel free to, to reach out to us anytime. Um, one question we have here is how will you market my home? Um, so again, every, every agent's very different on how their marketing style is, what they do. Typically, um, a standard, a standard, uh, listing people would expect that their agent would be doing their photos, helping them navigate on how to prepare their home, get their home ready for the market. Um, but then, but then there's a lot of added extras that are starting to come into play. Uh, so again, it's situational. It depends on how the, uh, the condition of the home, but you know, to give an example of a house that may be in a uh, rougher shape or have a lot of furniture, a lot of clutter, somebody's outgrowing their home. It's, it's busting at the seams. Um, Typically, we're going to go in there, we're going to assess what can stay, what can go. Um, we don't like to list our homes where it's hard to navigate uh, through the home. It's hard to see and picture how somebody would live there. So usually we'd like to get, you know, storage containers in the in the driveway, empty out a lot of the unnecessary clutter. Um, on top of that, if needed, we'd like to add uh, some staging to the home where we have someone come in and maybe replace some pieces of furniture that don't show as well, something that might be a little dated, torn or worn. Um, then also on top of that, the staging just adds, um, just a little more consistency to the home. Yeah. So some people might have a room they renovated two years ago, but then there's a room that's never been renovated and the house is choppy. We don't ever want a house to be too choppy. So, um, as far as how marketing the home, a lot of it has to do on the prep. So it's just like when you're painting a wall of a room, most of the work is on the prep. The painting is the easy part, right? Yep. So Painting's another one. So if a room needs some work, we have painters on standby if we need to get somebody in there or if we feel that you need to paint a few rooms. Um, we like to get in and assess the home weeks beforehand. So when you see a house come on market and it all looks pretty and clean and everybody's like, how do people live with these clean homes? Well, this isn't how their houses all looked before, right? Like there's a lot of prep that goes into these houses ahead of time. Sometimes it's months ahead of time. We go in there landscaping needs to get done mulch needs to be put down uh, gardens need to be trimmed back houses need to be decluttered staging needs to happen paint rooms need to be painted so a lot of the work is in the behind the scenes on the prep yeah once we go to market obviously there's photos we do the virtual tours um, the floor plans um, video is becoming more standard in today's market so we get the drone photos the floor plans the the videos um, and then on top of that, there's a lot of social media ad campaigns that are being added into today's world. So most people are searching online and through social media. I think it's over 90% now go to online first. Um, it's a whole new era. So there's a lot of invested in the social media marketing aspect to it. Um, and then there's just a lot of other little things uh, where it comes to mailers, open houses, digital sign ad campaigns, uh, mailer campaigns where we're doing flyers through the area. Um, so again, every house is different. Some houses are already staged perfectly. You go in and they're meticulous and that saves us a lot of time on that front and allows us to focus our energy more on other parts of it. Right. So anything you want to add on that? Yeah, I was just going to sort of, um, interject and just say, so, you know, we've got different generations of people, obviously that are homeowners and, and selling their home, um, you know, in the past was, obviously a different story than it is now with social media and the internet being such uh, a strong force in just marketing in general, not just in real estate, but in the world. 
Um, and, and I've been asked this several times by, by a lot of the older clients that I've um, worked with, but you know, people still bring up classified ads and newspaper ads and you know, is my, is my, when's my home going to be in the newspaper? When's my home going to show up in the real estate flyer? That's one thing I don't know. Like, I wonder what the percentage of people who still check classified newspaper open house ads are. Yeah. And the reason that, that we don't put a lot of emphasis on, on doing that stuff. And I usually try to kind of explain this, um, when I'm doing a listing presentation or, or I'm talking to my clients about how the process is going to go is there's very limited information that you can include in a classified ad or in a real estate flyer ad. You're going to see a grainy, maybe a grainy, tiny photo. It might Most be black and white. Overlooked. It, it's going to be a tiny little square amidst a whole bunch of others. It's going, you're going to have a limited space for description on it. Um, and it's a very niche market, right? And that yeah. was sort of the way that it used to be. Mm -hmm. So going right, kind of picking up on what you just said, like one, you got to be a buyer who's actively looking for real estate in a paper. Then when they're looking it, you want to hope it doesn't get overlooked because there's not always a photo to go with it. Like you said, it's just a little grainy section. There's not much to draw the person in where, you know, that ad might cost you 70, 60, $70 to put in the paper. Right. You take 60 or 70 and put it into a social media ad campaign. Now there is something to be said. There are some people that look in the paper that don't look on social, but you add that 60, $70 into a ad campaign. We're talking thousands of people that would be reached with a perfectly curated listing with photos, the virtual tour, the whole works, the entire package right there for you. We're now talking over 90% of the market. So exactly. I would like to invest the money where it's going to more than 90% yes. of the people with a perfectly packaged listing, not 1% of the population with very limited information. Right. The money is much better spent now outside of those locations. Now, if there's a seller that says, I'd like to be in the Windsor Star, those are things that we can do. We're yeah, we'll always do we'll it. always oblige, right? I mean, that's the I guess that's the point is it's not always just totally up to us. I'm not right. going to steer you away from certain things that that you might be adamant about. But if you're somebody, is channel? I don't think actually that channel exists anymore. Remember that it was like channel 11 or something. It was the real estate listings. Oh yeah, 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 through. yeah. There was. There I was. think it shut down. If it didn't shut down, correct me because I don't pay attention to that channel. And if you are somebody who's like, I can't believe. He doesn't know that channel still exists and you're somebody who watches that please let me know because i would love to know if somebody still watches every 10 seconds something slide by i can't believe how far we've come just in the last five yeah. or six years because those were ads that i was even doing in my career um yeah and it's an interesting it, the outreach through social media and uh, and the interaction the, GG, the interaction and that i think that's something that, 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 that people that people overlook too. With a classified ad in a newspaper, you're going to get whoever's still getting the newspaper mm -hmm. who's specifically looking it's in the real estate. That's a really, really narrow And then you, view. not only did you, you have to get the newspaper, you have to be somebody who's actively looking for a house and actually checks those right. things. Because right. But with a social media campaign that we can, you know, target specific, you know, age groups of people in specific locations and right, right. Well, there's algorithms actually, involved. There's algorithms involved, but not only that, not only, not only all of those things, but what you can't overlook is, is the engagement and the interaction on those posts people that sharing help their it. Friends, right. Yeah. So you may not be specifically spreading it to these people that end up ultimately seeing it because somebody might say, 
oh my God, my cousin is looking for a home. I'm going to tag them in this. And then a conversation starts on that post, Mm -hmm. right? And then all of a sudden you get it shared to somebody else and then somebody else. And it becomes this spider web of, of interaction that like is impossible to replicate with anything else. So I think social media advertising and social media marketing is, is probably arguably the most important thing that you can do from a marketing standpoint on a home. And, that, and when we say social Smart. media, we're that's the whole digital aspect. Like we're also talking realtor.ca, yes. the Kijijis, the Facebooks, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube. I mean, the whole web of yes. all of it. Um, we're not just talking one specific. No, so not like just so Facebook or Instagram. Yeah, like, right. like at all. All of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then even those draw off each other. So as soon as it hits realtor.ca, Remax, Royal LePage, whoever, all their websites take from the same database, right? right? So then it just within seconds of it hitting the market is everywhere, yep. right? There's The internet is very quick and powerful. Um, and then you got to remember the Windsor Star is only local. There are a lot of buyers that are outside of the Windsor area. So And we can if, target ads specifically. Like if we're looking, GTA. yeah, we can say no. Toronto, we can p- pick a, a radius that we want to yeah. market it to, put the dollars down. And how and many, what percentage of our, our open house people that walk through, the, the customers that walk through these open houses, a very large portion of them are coming from the GTA yeah. and out of town because they're coming in on the weekends and they're checking out these open houses because yep. they don't have an agent that's letting them through a lot of the time. So um, these people aren't going to be checking the Windsor Star from Toronto, right? Like it's yep. just very rare. So these are these are things that we keep an eye on to make sure that we're staying up to date in today's marketing world. Um, and again, if you have any questions, um, please let me know. And if anybody still checks the classifieds. Um, yeah, com- comment. Let, let, me, let us let know, know. How, how that's going for you. Um, okay, so I think that's good for the Q&A today. I think we covered those two topics pretty <coughs> pretty well. Um, I'm going to end on something a little more fun. Um, we're going to play a, a game of GeoGuessr. If anybody hasn't played GeoGuessr before, it's a, a Google Maps game. Um, basically, it drops you somewhere on Google Maps in the world, and you got to try and guess where you are. Um, we're going to pick one that's, we're going to try and guess where we are based on the geographic location. Uh, let's see if I'm doing this right. Nope, I just took up a screenshot. <laughs> it's five. So we're going to screen record. Yeah, this. you got to make sure, yeah, you got to make sure that this is being recorded so we can pop this up on the screen so people can kind of play along. Uh, looks like it is recording. Okay. So, is it recording? I I don't know. Options. It looks like we are good. All right, let's give it a shot. Um, All right, so we're going to go with, let's pick like an urban, just like urban neighborhoods and we'll try and pick basically just on the locations alone. Uh, so we're going to go and play classic. Let's just go classic world. All right. So we got five rounds here. We're going to do our best. Don't make fun of us. And we're going to go try and guess where we're at based on oh the architecture of the area. <laughs> Already. <laughs> this is the middle of a residential area. But look at the style of homes. Look around. Look around. This looks... What's this curb say? This... This looks okay. Brid, Bridget eight seven seven. That's toll free, I think. In that's a, it's so it's North America. It's North America for sure. That's a Ford truck. So we're in North America. 
I like that. Trucks don't typically you got a basketball net in the. You got a United States flag right there. <laughs> so clearly we're in the states. All right. Um, Narrowed it down. Uh, trees. Oh man. It doesn't look like a coast. Sign? It doesn't look like a coastal city. What is that? No, it doesn't. What does the sign it doesn't say? Look, you're not in the desert somewhere. All right, I'm gonna guess something somewhere in the Midwest. Uh, I don't, don't think so. I my guess would be more up towards like, like a Northern Chicago, California. like a Chicago or something. So I'm I could be way off here. I mean, the U.S. is so broad. Oh God. Oh, we got snow. Oh, we got snow. So hey, okay, there that. we go. We, okay. we, we just warp through so that right. so that takes so you're probably not in like washington or or you're not on the west coast i'm so i'm, I'm feeling... thinking yeah, the mid, that's the midwest like right this is the yeah. midwest yeah. so somewhere somewhere in in uh let's say hmm, indianapolis <laughs> you want to just split it somewhere in the middle sure all right let's go just outside indianapolis and we were 1500 kilometers away we were in oh, Cal- Denver. Yeah, we were just outside Denver, Colorado. Denver. I feel like that was a valiant effort. I mean, <laughs> right, yeah. let's try it's like how do you, like you know? How do yeah. You... All right. So not the U.S. So this could be anywhere <laughs> in the world. Yeah, we're we're definitely looking like uh like Europe at this point. Oh, what, what kind of language we got there? Aha, we've got France. Looks like France. All right. I mean, it could be Belgium, I guess, but looks like somewhere um, in rural. Yeah, very flat. Rural France. Okay. Let's see here. Let's uh somewhere around Lyon. Where would that be? Uh, I don't know. That's like Lyon's right there by Geneva. All right, you want to just split it somewhere yeah, in the yeah, middle somewhere, here? Yeah, somewhere in the middle there. All right, let's see where we're at. Oh, 199 kilometers away. It's north of Paris. Look at that. Pretty good. North of Paris. So very close. Oh, All right. Oh! A trailer right park off. in right the off. States. <laughs> <laughs> okay, is, okay. Is this, this right? I love this okay, there's not. Wait, there's mountains. Yeah. There, there are mountains. Yeah. And it kind of looks like deserty. Yep. Doesn't it? Yeah, it looks dry. So probably somewhere in like Nevada. I'm thinking. Yeah, somewhere in there. Somewhere in Nevada or, or California. Okay. Like between Las Vegas and and uh, Los Angeles. Somewhere in that. Somewhere here. Somewhere in Death Valley. <laughs> somewhere, yeah, somewhere in that drive, probably right around there. All right, let's go. Ooh, Whoa, we are way off. So twelve hundred kilometers away, it was that around. Was in Washington? I had no idea. It was that dry. Right, right outside of Spokane in Washington. What happened? Did we just get shot into the next round? Liberty Lake, Washington. No, no, no. This is just showing us there. Okay. Huh. Okay. All right. Next round. Uh, we're doing okay. Yeah, we're, we're doing right, okay. All right. Oh, what does that sign say? You got to look at the signs. Yeah. Totally. I, I yeah. I can't read it. Um, I'm feeling like it's somewhere in Asia. It's got redder soil. Like, like, Malaysia. I was just thinking Malaysia. For I'm some thinking reason. Malaysia with the tropical trees and the in the redder soil, um, and the thinner road here. But then it also could be some like South African 
or um, South America too. So well, not with the, the the words on that sign. They didn't even look like they were in the that's true. in the Roman alphabet. All right, I'm feeling right? Malaysia. So, so yeah, somewhere somewhere in there probably. We're gonna be way off. Watch this. Oh yeah, we're off. We're gonna be way off. Hey, not that far off. No, we weren't. Thailand. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's 1,500 kilometers, but... Okay. All right. Is this... Oh, is this a different one? Yeah, we're on the next one. <laughs> Look at the people riding on top of the truck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Well... It seems Af like Africa with the trees, with these, like... Yeah. Man, this is hard. You got to kind of move around a little bit and yeah. see. What do the vehicles look like? You ever watch the guys on like oh it's ridiculous TikTok and they're like point one second okay hang on like that's like a Prius or something. Hmm. I'm feeling South Africa. All right. Yeah, like with these trees. Yeah, I mean it's definitely. All right. I'm going like it's all you. All right. I'm going way down here. Oh God! By East London. Sure. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> so no, like, we were only we got 1. thirteen thousand kilometers away, about as far away as you could possibly be. Oh shoot! Do. So Guatemala. I knew that. Just outside Quetzalcoatl. So we were, we were pretty close, except for that one. We'll do this again next time. Well, yeah, what's it, what's it called? This it's called GeoGuesser. GeoGuesser. So if you wanna, it's if you awesome. Try to try to you can play against people in the in the world right you can you can uh compete um before we go i i'm it's my 10 years in real estate yeah you said that the other tomorrow day. october 1st 10 one decade in the real estate oh industry it actually feels didn't feel like it went by quick at all it was oh, long it was a long haul. it was a long haul for sure but it was a lot of fun and i have a lot of people to thank so i'm going to be sending out a lot of uh, cards and uh facebook posts but anybody listening to this thank you for a wild 10 years i did not expect to be where i am today and when i got into real estate i didn't even know if i'd still be in it after one year it is a grind, but it is a joyful grind. And I loved every minute of every second working with all the clients that I've worked with, um, all the people that have referred business to me um, and all the community support. So I appreciate everybody and I'll be sending out a lot of thank you. But 10 years, let's go. Next 10. That's crazy. Oh, man. Next 10. I remember over. when I was 22 being like, Oh, when I'm 32, I'll only be 32 and I'll be 10 years in the business already. And I'm like, holy shit. It's like, I'm 32. I'm, I'm 32. And I'm you have three kids now. In that time, in that 10 years, it's you, been have, busy. you have, you have it's now created three children. Yeah. In that time. Period. And uh, like the amount of people I've met and the amount of houses I've been through, it's been wild. It's been, it's been awesome. It's been wilder. I think even that, wilder. I think the, uh, the one thing to remember is no matter how long you're in this business, it's, you never know everything. No, you know, every, I don't even, I don't even know the difference between Guatemala and apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning. I'm still learning. Um, but I appreciate everybody. I'll be sending out my thanks and, uh, we'll do another one soon. Right on. Mm -hmm.